Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Another Mother, a parenting podcast by My Spring Harvest with me, Emma Borquay. If this is the first time that you're listening, then hello. I'm Emma, as I've just said. I'm a mum of a three-year-old boy called Ezra, and I've got a baby girl called Hallie. And I'm basically on a quest to get my parenting questions answered by some of the best people that I know. And so far, the conversations we've had have been incredible. They've been so much fun, and I'm already learning so much. So I'm really excited today to be speaking to the absolute legends Nikki and Scylla Lee. Nikki and Scylla have been married for 46 years. They've got four children and 10 grandchildren. And it was in 1987 that they joined the staff at HTB Church in London, where they developed the marriage course, the pre-marriage course, the parenting children course, the parenting teenagers course, and authored the marriage book and the parenting book. That is a lot of courses and books. But over the last 37 years, their ministry and courses have reached over 4 million people in more than 120 countries and in over 40 languages, equipping them with practical resources to strengthen their marriages and family life. So it goes without saying that we will be getting to hear a whole lot of wisdom and experience today. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and find it helpful for your own family life. Let's go. Welcome, Nikki and Scylla, to the Another Mother podcast. Lovely to be with you, Emma. Great to be with you. Oh, thank you so much for joining me today. I know that you guys are in very high demand. You're very busy, especially with the marriage course. You've just been to Asia, haven't you, for a few weeks, was it? Three weeks. Yeah, three weeks in four different countries. Wow. And what was that for that you were there doing? We were there for an Alpha Regional Gathering in Kuala Lumpur at a church that was a, originally a plant from HTB to um, um, Kuala Lumpur, which is now absolutely thriving and has become a hub for the Asia Pacific, the Alpha Asia Pacific region. And there was a conference of 600 pastors from 20 different Asian countries. Mm. And it was so exciting. And the first day of that conference was called Embrace. And it was looking at the marriage and parenting courses and family life and relationships. And it was so exciting hearing extraordinary testimonies of what God is doing with the marriage courses now for all over that region. Yeah, that is so incredible because I feel like for you guys, you started the marriage course, was it 37 years ago now? Or maybe we more started than the that? Course, pre-marriage course 37 years ago in our home in London with just a few couples getting married at HTB, our church, then uh, was when we came on the staff. We had no, I mean, if you told us that it was going to reach countries in Asia, like Cambodia, we wouldn't have believed you at that stage. Yeah, it must be so incredible to see the reach, because I guess, what was your original plan for the marriage course? Like, what made you want to start it? I love you. I love the way you say what was your original plan. We had no <laughs> absolutely. And that's how God works. I mean, he has the plan. We did not know. But just sort of to backtrack, that we got married when we were 21 and 22, and we had no marriage preparation. And it would have been a great help if we had, if I'm <laughs> honest. Um, the first year of marriage. Easier, yeah, but thankfully, a year into marriage, a wonderful older, wiser couple organized the weekend for about three or four couples who'd been married a, a short time. 
And that was gold for us because it was very practical things that immediately we could put into action in our relationship. It made such a difference to us. Yeah. And at that stage, we thought, gosh, if every couple could know this uh, before they get married, when they are married, that would be amazing. So, And we, we kind of built this. I think this heart, I don't think we realised it so consciously, but we suddenly realised we actually had a real heart um, for helping people mm. with relationships. So when we arrived at, on the staff at HTB, Nikki got ordained in 1985. Um, and the vicar, Sandy Miller, asked us if we would do the marriage preparation with the couples getting married in the church. We said, yeah, of course, absolutely. And that's how it started. We just started with three couples in our home who were getting married in HTB and and um and we developed this five session very practical course on things that had really really helped us in our marriage and then wow. and then the, they started talking to their friends about it couples who weren't getting married in the church at all so that's how it grew and then but we kept thinking we need to follow these couples up so that's why we started the marriage course in 1996 to follow up the couples who were who were doing pre-marriage. And also we really started to see the need first and foremost in our church community because we were hearing from couples who'd been married maybe, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years who were actually really struggling mm. and they were really in a mess. And that made us realise, whoa, the early years are so important to get in good habits, to have the tools, the practices, the, the, the ways of making a relationship work in the early years. And then that was why we developed the marriage course. So obviously you've been doing this for a lot of years now. And did you ever feel like there was pressure for you to have the perfect marriage as you kind of became over the years, these like the faces of marriage. <laughs> well, there, there have been, there have been moments. I remember one moment when we were on the underground in London and Silla and I were having a, an argument, very argument. heated argument. I don't know what it was about. I was the heated. And it was, it was, a, <laughs> the tube time train was quite crowded. There were a few people standing as well as all the seats filled and we were sitting down having this heated discussion and there was a man standing really not very far away from us and he got off before we did but just before he got off he looked at us and said you're Nicky and Silla aren't you we're doing the marriage course in our church in West London and Silla and I we didn't even have a chance to say anything we just looked at him and but he got off we did agree after that if we had our arguments in public, we would try to do it in a lower lower tone, <laughs> lower volume, and keep a smile on our faces. So, oh, so it has put a bit of pressure on us. Yeah. But also, I think, you know, when people say again and again about the marriage course, it's the fact we talk about our disagreements, our conflicts, our differences. They find they say, "Oh my goodness, that is so encouraging." We you don't yeah. have to have a perfect marriage, and that's of and, course one of the messages we want to keep putting out there. And and I mean, I would say personally, and I really mean this, that I mean, we've led and hosted the pre-marriage and marriage course, you know, for many many years, three times a year. So we're speaking this stuff mm. all the time, and it is such a great reminder for us. And, you know, we all have our differences and our weaknesses and things we have to be working on. And, for example, I am not a very good listener. 
And every time we do the communication session, I am reminded this is something I need to keep working on. And, I, and I'm not very good at planning ahead. <laughs> the marriage course reminds me again and again, oh, really better think about our next date night, what we're going to do. And, and that is a huge actual blessing, really, of being involved in, in doing this mm. um, marriage stuff. And um, so, yeah, there's mm. um, yeah. pluses minuses. Yeah, because I was thinking about how um, this is kind of going off script a little bit, but I was just thinking as you were talking about how often today where people put kind of so much of their lives on social media, there's an, an expectation or they're presenting something of themselves, which is quite perfected. And then I think it can result in an internal pressure almost that they think everybody's oh, yeah. looking at them everybody's expecting them to be perfect so then it's hard to show up as you are um but I love that you encourage that actually yeah just be who you are everybody's struggling in some sort of way so yeah I think you're absolutely right that the pressure of social media you know we tend to where we put photographs up we try to choose the ones that make us look at our best and the danger is of comparison uh, we look at other people's photographs and think, oh, our family should look like that. But of course, it's not reality. It's just a, a moment in time when the kids aren't crying, when, you know, there's not too much food around the place and so on and so forth. All that. So you, uh, you've got four children, haven't you now? Yeah. Yes. So how long were you married before you had your children? Uh, we'd been we were married for about four years before we had our first child, a daughter. We were actually living abroad. We were living in Japan for three years, which was an amazing adventure. We had an extraordinary time going the other side of the world to a totally different culture. And it was actually amazing for our relationship because we really were on this adventure together and mm. growing together. And then to have a baby in a totally different culture. Entirely unplanned. <laughs> but I'm so got, glad that God overruled. Gave us a baby when he so did. So four years mm. in. Wow. Okay, so then you were in Japan, you had your first child. And then how? what kind of age gaps did you leave between the other children? Oh, God, we were there, so planned. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> there, was about, there was about two and a bit years between each of them. Two years, three months, roughly, give or take. Okay, so you just kind of went straight in there with like parenting, you're starting creating your family. To be honest, it totally took me by surprise how much I loved being a mum. <gasps> My goodness. I mean, I, I was uh, up to that point, I'd done a, um, I'd been to art college, I'd done a degree in fine art, I was thinking of, you know, I, I sort of creative, and I needed to be doing something creative. And I was taken aback about mm. how creative um, being a mum was. And I felt so fulfilled being a mum. And that's why we went on to have four. <laughs> I wanted to go on and have six children. Did you? You never told me that. <laughs> <I did. laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. That's such a good perspective. What was it about motherhood that felt so creative for you? I think it was all new. You're working with this absolute incredible mm. gift of a person you have no idea about. And you are molding and shaping and nurturing mm. and interacting with this person. And I just loved it. I, I And we're together. I mean, we we sort of loved it. But with Scylla being very creative, when, when in those four years before we had children, I remember if Scylla hadn't done some painting or drawing for 
a few days mm, thing I, you know so, sort of moods weren't as good so I'd sort of send her off to do some painting or, and then she was fine soon as we had children as she said that creativity went into parenting wow. and and she she actually I mean she's going to try to start painting again now but she hasn't really for the last how many years it is 40 years yeah yeah um, but just in case it sounds all too nice and sort of easy I particularly love um, parenting kids sort of 10 and under. When it got to teenagers, I was right out of my depth. And thank the Lord, Nikki came into, I mean, Nikki's brilliant with young kids too, but he was, he is really, really a natural with teenagers, his whole approach. And I had to really, really learn a new approach to parenting once our kids became teenagers. Nikki had to really help me with that. Wow. Yeah, it is like it's such a journey, isn't it? And it's one of those things that you have no idea how you're going to feel about it until it happens, until you're there in the middle of nappies and having children around you. So for your marriage, did you notice any kind of differences in your relationship when you started your family? Were there any things that kind of had to change between you both? Or yeah, how was it for you? I think the 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 immediate and most obvious was time. You know, mm-hmm. a child takes up a lot of your time. And we sort of became aware of that. And that's when we started to become really intentional about making time for our marriage, having a date night. I was always at home because we were in Japan. So, you know, there are no didn't know people who babysit for us. So, but we'd set aside a special evening where we would be more romantic, make sure we talked and uh, and so on. And and that's gone on through the years. And I'm so glad that we sort of, I think, clocked that early on because we knew that unless we took time for our marriage, mm. our time was just going to be taken up doing parenting and everything else in our lives. And, and of course, I mean, the same side or the other side of the same coin is it's not only time consuming, but it is very tiring. So, I mean, we we now see and hear from, I mean, first of all, our kids, because we've got lots of grandchildren, but other people all the Mm. time, you know, both people are exhausted because their child's not sleeping, they're working flat out and they're trying to juggle it all. And people get exhausted and being exhausted is not a good recipe for um, your marriage relationship because that usually gets the dregs. And when you give the dregs to your relationship, it's not a happy picture. So you have to really have your eyes open to that. I think, my darling, the truth is that we still had our date nights when we were exhausted. That's what I'm saying. You still have you have to recognize, yes, this is a season. We are sleep deprived. We are flat out. We're doing this and this and this. But we still need to do it because it's a very easy thing to say, oh, I'm too tired. Yeah. You know, just this week. No, it's actually not worth it. It's not. No, we're not going to do this or whatever. And actually, we realized more and more as mm. as we went on having more children, um, how important that was mm. to be intentional. Yeah, I totally get that. I would say right now, even with Isaac and I, where he's like very busy working and then Hallie is so young and she doesn't sleep that well yet. Um, it it can be quite tempting for your the way you express love and show love to one another is like, oh, you go and rest now. And then, no, you go and rest. So we just take it in turns all the time. But then we just keep like cross, not 
connecting like ships in the night literally that's the saying yeah so yeah I I get what you're saying in terms of actually prioritizing those date times or moments whenever you can get them even if you're tired date may be the wrong I mean we used to do a date I an evening and a nice meal and a bit more kind of special but actually Hmm. just saying to counter the passing like ships in the night should we just sit down with a cup of tea? And as long as you're drinking that cup of tea, ask each other what's going on for you. Mm. That is massive. Mm. And if you make those sort of connection points mm. um, daily, weekly, and so on, that is a, a real um, mm. important thing. Yes. Um, can I say another thing in yes. relation to the change when um, kids come along? Um, I think it's our sexual relationship changes and there are lots and lots of reasons for that and we we talk a bit about it on the marriage course I mean one of them is hormones obviously um a woman's hormones are changing massively and and for a man if if your wife is breastfeeding suddenly you're sharing her body and you're not you're not used to doing that that takes a bit of adjustment too and and for a woman you know it's like I've said the nurturing instinct rightly kicks in and it Mm. becomes you become this sort of very tunnel vision Mm. and I mean sex is I mean Mm. often the last last thing on a woman's mind in the early days of of parenting a baby looking after a baby breastfeeding and that can go on and it can become a reason and an excuse Mm. why a woman will not Mm. want to have sex with her husband and I think that's something to really, really be aware of. Actually, I, I meant we meant to sort of I meant well. I meant to mention earlier than talking about the sexual relationship. A child brings a very positive thing in that you have to start really working together as a couple in a way that you never have before. You have children, and and I mean that's in every everything supporting each other. But I think in this sexual relationship, that is really, really important too. That you you really communicate about about what you're feeling and i mean i i i remember so well i think it was between our third and fourth child being born and we went away for about two nights we left the kids with my parents and we went away for two nights. We were both really excited about this time together. <laughs> and I was really hoping it was going to sort of kickstart my sort of um, sense of excitement and desire for sex. So, again. so was I hoping. <laughs> <laughs> and, and oh, my gosh, I just remember sobbing for about kind of a half a night thinking, I don't think I'll ever have a sort of sexually... Uh, exciting desire again in my body ever and sort of Mm. sobbing and sobbing and then talking and talking and talking to Nikki and he listened and he listened as I poured out you know what I was feeling and how etc oh my goodness that communication in itself was so amazing that he would listen to me he'd support me he'd understand and so on and actually we had to really work at that for the next whatever and I think it wasn't until Oh, gosh, I think about, you know, I don't know how long it takes for your hormones to get sorted again, but probably 18 months after our our fourth child. Mm. And then I I realized, okay, now I can really go for it. And my body felt like it was back to normal. But But we had to work at that. It was also really important that we didn't sort of, 
we didn't let go of or neglect our sexual relationships yeah. through yeah. those years, which were more difficult. Yeah. Because it is, it's a very important part of our marriage, of our intimacy and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess leading on from there quite nicely, um, in the marriage course, you do speak about um, the spark, don't you? And often yeah. relationships are referred to as having a spark or keep the spark alive. And it's it's just a saying that we're so used to hearing. But sometimes I'm like, what actually is the spark? Like, I don't really know. So what what is the spark in your words? I think the spark is uh, is falling in love, and in a marriage, I think that it 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 comes and goes, but it can come again. It can keep returning, and and the absolute key <clears throat> is the emotional connection that we we continue to nurture and maintain. And I think when we do that, then you suddenly. You do fall it's in love again. Like you fall in love again. Yeah, yeah. all the same feelings. Um, and, and it's return. not that it's not that we should expect to be running on a kind of spark, 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 hundred percent. Yeah, I mean that's not realistic, and it's not what we're sort of made to do. But we must be intentionally, as Nikki is saying building and nurturing our emotional connection and it's sort of like we we heard friends of ours talk about it in a brilliant way which helped mm. us enormously you can be in your marriage in one of three places either you are well you you can be on sort of parallel lines and you're going in the same direction you, you may be seemingly quite close you're living in the same house sleeping in the same bed parenting the same kids doing you know whatever but you're actually just slightly apart and not really connecting. You're leading more kind of like individual lives. And or you can be actually moving apart, hmm. which is not good. Or you can be moving towards each other. So it's either parallel lines, moving apart or moving towards each other and connecting. Hmm. And I think what we realize, everything, I think, in the marriage course and everything that we've mm. sought to do in our own marriage is, is to help us to keep connecting, keep moving towards each other, keep mm. touching. And everything that, that mm. involves a relationship mm. does that if we're putting it into practice. Yeah. So if there was a couple, for example, maybe listening to this podcast and mm. they were they're listening to this and that really resonates and they're thinking, yeah, do you know what? We're actually very dis distant at the moment. We're on these separate paths or maybe we're kind of moving apart and they haven't already got the habits in place of these good conversations or doing things like the marriage course. Where would you suggest a couple like that begins? I, I would start very simply with, uh, and actually rather what Silla said, about take a time each day could be 30 minutes where maybe when you you get back from work or when the kids have gone to bed or whatever time it is and but use that time to ask each other questions such as um sort of open-ended what 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 are you what are you anxious about what are you hoping for what what are the things that are on your mind most important what what where would you like to go on holiday even this year just things that start to reopen areas of communication and conversation 
And when you do that, make sure that you listen to your partner when it's their turn to speak. And don't put them down, don't criticize them. Don't even, you know, you're not agreeing or disagreeing with them. Actually, you're just allowing them to talk about what's going on inside. And you do that both ways. That can make a massive difference in a in a relationship of a couple starting to connect again emotionally, moving towards each and, other. And it sort of sounds quite contrived mm. that you have to plan that, you have to decide to do that. Because you think, oh, but we should just get on because we're mm. in the same place together, you know. But you have to be that intentional. And to think carefully about the questions. Yeah. As Silla said, open questions which allow... It cause your partner to sort of expose their what's going on inside their inner world. And and I think this listening thing, and we spend a whole session on the marriage course about communication, but particularly about listening. Listening indicates to the other person a huge amount. I value you. I I'm I'm prepared to take this time mm. to listen and understand what makes you tick. Mm. And yet in this world today, we are all mm. so keen to make our opinion known, what we want to do, got to do it, got to be successful, got to push on, da, 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 da. And that is not a helpful thing for connecting. Uh, and of course, we make assumptions that we think we know mm. what our partner thinks and feels and, and the longer a couple are together, the greater the danger can become. But actually, the reality is we don't know. There are always new things to discover about our partner. That's ultimately what makes marriage exciting. And and the other thing is, is I think, um, speaking positive words to each other, the power of words. I mean, our hero and and sort of, yeah, I mean, just hero is Rob Parsons. Um, who heads up uh, care for the family. And we've known Rob mm. for many, many years, but he he was sort of somebody, we read his books mm. before we got to know him and he became a friend. And he always talks mm. about the power of positive words. Mm. And I mean, we see it in the Bible too. It's so powerful. And actually we can end up being a, a bit sort of not that in our relationship, not speaking, being very like functional, only talking at a superficial level. Oh, are you going to get the kids? Are you going to do the washing? Are you, you know, or, that... or, or try always try to help the other one to improve yes. slightly. <laughs> Whereas if you just simply say something kind, lovely, mm. affirming, positive to them about who they are, what they've done, what you, you know, that totally turns things mm. around and builds that connection. I'm just interrupting this episode very quickly. Firstly, to say, I feel like I should have actually warned you to have had a paper and pen ready as you listen to this conversation, because they are dropping so much wisdom. But I also wanted to say that if you head over to myspringharvest.org, when you finish listening to this episode, you'll find an article that I've posted there that's got a little format or guide for these types of open-ended connecting communication-y conversations um, that you could practice with your partner and I've also included the links to the marriage course resources including the marriage book and the parenting book so head over to myspringharvest.org pop your email in and you'll be able to see all of this helpful information plus much more from previous podcast episodes too 
back to the episode. I think sometimes there's, it's the stress, isn't it? Of when you've got, especially with young children, and there's so much that you can't really expect of young children. Like they're not going to say thank you. They're probably going to cause a big mess. They're going to say, I don't like this dinner and throw it on the floor. (laughs) They can just be a, a bit of a handful. So then sometimes there becomes that expectation that the other adult in the house, you kind of then expect more from them. And but then you give them slightly less in terms of your own manners and your own patience because you're using it all up on the kids so that you're not shouting or anything. So uh, is there a good way to kind of remember in some of the most testing times to avoid taking your stresses out on your spouse? Well, I, I think one thing to remember is that your children pick up everything. Yeah. They, they, even from a very young age, they are, they're like sponges. They're imbibing all the time. And the way that you speak to each other, you treat each other, affects your children in the long term. And ultimately, you know, the most important influence on them is going to be our relationship with each other. That's what they are watching and learning from from you know the earliest years when they're not not they so consciously, yeah they're learning from our relationship and uh, uh, this is going to have an impact on their relationships in the future their friendships if they get married on their marriage and so on and so forth and actually you know nothing is more important than the relationships that we form so i think that's the the principal incentive for us to the way we speak whether we speak kindly whether we apologize or not when we get that, wrong whether we forgive that we is listen. really really key and i know i am when when i get stressed i'm out there i'm loud i'm over the top i overreact i do all the things that you know are not helpful but are very obvious And I've had to learn to really not react like that. But, you know, when our kids were little, Mm. I mean, I could react like that both to Nikki and or to Mm. the kids. And I really had to learn to say sorry where I needed. And sometimes I had to say sorry to the kids if I'd got it wrong. But what we realized, I mean, was that that creates a very safe environment Mm. because it means you can fail, you can get it wrong and you say sorry and you have forgiveness, and then there's restoration. Mm. And it's okay. Everything can start again, new. And we can then try to do it differently the next time. And I am by no means perfect, I can tell you. And I still overreact sometimes, and I'm still critical. And it'll come out as criticism. But at least then I can say, and I I hope I say it quicker now, I am so sorry that I said that to you in that tone of voice. And, and you know, and then we connect again as we as we forgive and restore. Yeah, there's there's just so much to navigate, isn't there, as a married couple and then in raising children. It's a lot of responsibility. It's an incredible responsibility, but it is a lot on your shoulders. And yeah, like you said, there's a lot of navigating disagreement and stuff like that. But have there has there ever been a situation in raising your children where you've had quite strong opposing opinions on something? Maybe like, I don't know whether you should buy them one birthday present or 17 birthday presents or <laughs> whether whether they can go to that sleepover or not go to the sleepover where kind of agree to disagree isn't an option because a decision has to be made for your child. How do you kind of come to some sort of mutual understanding or decision 
when you have strong opinions on either side? We've known through the years that there have been moments where we've had to seek the advice of uh, sort of uh, other people. Yeah, and some of them are contemporaries, some of those who are ahead of us in the whole sort of parenting game. And, uh, And we can think of times where we either we didn't know what to do, or we had very different views, as you say, where that those have been critical moments for us. And we've been so grateful for the advice and the wisdom that we've that we've received. And I think there is a danger today of parents getting isolated. There's wider family, you know, then there's a bit more dislocation. People aren't quite so close in their communities. Social media has something to do with that as well. And But parenting doesn't, it's really hard if we're trying to do it all on our own. We need help, advice, support from, from others. Yeah, and we, I mean, one of the ways that really happened for us, we, we right from, um, yeah, really, well, right from when we got married, we had a group, very small group of people that we, kind of got together with and met and had supper and had fun and heard how each other was and then we would always ask each other you know what can we pray for you and we would over many many years and bringing up all our kids and everything we have been through things with these couples and Mm. um and and they've prayed for us and we prayed for them and talked Mm. about things and and that has been uh, absolutely yeah. rock solid. You know these people are for you. They've got yeah. your back. They're no agendas. You can trust them. It's amazing. And those are the people, you know, a small group, though, who we've we've been able to go to for where it really gets difficult. But yeah. I think the more everyday things that you, you have to, I mean, mm. I know this sounds very trite, again, but pray. I mean, praying about things, praying about things gives you a very different perspective. And I mean, we give another example of that on the marriage course about where we felt very passionately about a weekend that we were invited to go on. And I didn't want to go because we got a new baby and Nikki. I felt we had to go. It was too embarrassing to to suddenly uh, pull out at the last minute. (laughs) Anyway, we prayed in the end. Thankfully, we after a lot of stuff. We prayed uh, and God gives a different perspective than either of us and helps you yeah. to navigate it through. And that has honestly been our experience yeah. over many, many years and many different issues. Oh, that's so brilliant. Because, yeah, there, it is, it's very challenging, isn't it? And you can, over time, you can begin to kind of chip away at one another or even on yourself, really. We can take a lot of decisions heavily on our own shoulders or feel like we're doing everything on our own. But actually, it's so important to be that kind of encouragement to one another, to be that safe place, as, as you've said, and to continue to build that relationship so that when your children do get older and they go off to uni or they get married themselves or they kind of live out of the home that you're then living with your partner that you actually love and that you are really good friends with like you two (laughs) Um, but I don't know is there anything that you would go back to tell your young parent selves about kind of this time that you've got now where it's maybe I know you live very close to your children but um, um just this how you've built towards having a long-term friendship and love for one another? Well, I mean, I know as a parent, my 
my probably biggest weakness was worrying about our kids and worry, and particularly as they became teenagers, sort of being anxious about what they were up to, who they were with, what they were getting into, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, and that would cause me to be stressed or to do, you know, whatever, and not be a great parent. And looking back now, I wish I had prayed more and worried less and talked to Nikki about it and asked for his kind of help. I didn't ask, you know, for him to help me enough with dialing it down and not being so anxious. But the prayer thing, I know, as we pray. And now with grandchildren, it's so amazing to have that perspective because mm-hmm. you, you're not involved, but you can pray. And that's so nice. I, I think for me, I would um, I, I would do more things with our children individually. And I was talking to our daughter, who's now 43. Three. And she said the other day, oh, Dad, do you remember when you... We went to that Chinese restaurant for my birthday because mum was doing something with all the boys. And and I, I do remember it, actually, but it was so rare. I wish I'd done that more. And our son recently took their oldest son on a camping trip on his own. And I think, oh, son would have loved that. I think I tended to do a lot of things with all our children or with our three boys or uh, or with them all together. And I think I, if I did it again, I would do some more sort of special things with them on their own. I see how that, how, how much they get out of it. I see now the rare occasions I did do it, the memories it creates. But also I look back and I think, ah, oh, that would have been so special. But one of the things I do think, oh, I'm really glad we we did that, was doing date night. And like, you know, when our kids were very much at home and everything, um, we would have uh, many of our date nights were at home. And, you know, we'd lay the table, make put candles on, do it all romantic and everything. And the kids used to sometimes go, what are you doing, mom and dad? You know, and kind of we were coming to supper and then they see they're just two places late. You know, but do you know they really got it? That was just part of what mum and dad did. And I I mean, they saw that it made a difference. And they all do it now, the three who are married, all do that without even thinking about it. I mean, this is still challenging for them because they're very busy, but they all know that is just part of what you do in your marriage to yeah. keep connected. Oh, I love that. That's so good. And that's great kind of pearls of wisdom. I definitely do remember doing one-on-one things with my dad because I've got two sisters and they're like very significant memories for me as well. So I absolutely second that. Um, So you have been married for 46 years now. Is that correct? Maybe more? Yeah, yeah, no, 46 at years and 52 weeks. <laughs> 50 weeks. Oh, 50. How many weeks? Are... <laughs> That's 52 of the year. Oh, so 50. 50. 50. Yes. Two so, weeks time. Oh, what day is your anniversary? What date is that? 17th of July. We can agree on that. <laughs> That's <laughs> we'll next be married week. 47 years. You're, this week? you're 51 weeks. There you go. 40, 46 ah, and 51. 51. <laughs> you're right. And we were both wrong. <laughs> so exciting. Um, so 
reflecting back over this time, you've obviously shared a lot of wisdom in this um, conversation that we've just had, but has there been some of the most significant things that you can think about that you've done to keep growing in love? And originally, when I was going to ask this question, I was going to say to keep a strong marriage, but then I changed the wording to grow in love because I think sometimes there can be a perception that a strong marriage means your marriage is always strong. Like everything is always good. You're always building and you are always building. But I think actually love can take an interesting course where sometimes it fills up sometimes it feels a bit down but as long as you're growing towards something then things will get better um so yeah has there anything been anything most significant for you both over the last four to six years well I would want to say I mean apart from a weekly date night which we absolutely unequivocally both would say is the single most significant thing that that's you know absolutely um unshakable but it's having fun and being able to laugh and sort of the whole aspect of humor and teasing and fun and and not taking yourself too seriously that has been such and nikki's very good at that Scylla's very good at being teased Oh, I and our four children used to always do tease her a lot and she takes it so well, provides a lot of humour in the family. And I think, you know, this is um, largely about parenting. I think for us, the whole parenting journey, with all its stresses and strains and worries and anxieties and ups and downs and disappointments and worry, you know, all of that, actually, when you take a long view... This has been amazing to do together. And I think one of the most um, wonderful things now is seeing the friendships that our children have with each other. And you wouldn't always have guessed it when they were growing up, (laughs) but they love getting together. And it's very, very special for us when we get together with one of them, or if there are more than one of them, getting them together with each other, seeing the the sort of depth of relationships that they have one with one with the other and i think that that a lot is to do with having fun together and um I, was it jay john who said lighten up and have fun yeah yeah it was jay john. yeah jay john said that and i mean years ago and we just absolutely latched onto that and thought yeah in the midst of everything else and lighten up and chill out chill it? out yes exactly <laughs> And oh my goodness, kids love that. And they really, it bonds everybody. It bonds them together and with parents and it builds relationship. It's not just a sort of fluffy extra on the top. And of course, you know, you plan to go and do something fun together and then it rains or they all argue or somebody gets a, you know, I mean, I remember once doing a rollerblading thing and one of the children got, fell over and got cut and we ended up in A&E and you think oh gosh that's not great but you know it's it's actually overall when they have the memories of of the fun oh I love that well thank you so much for just sharing so openly and honestly in this conversation and yeah I do pray that it really helps anybody that's listening to this so thank you for all of your years of experience and yeah being so willing to give generously to us your wisdom so thank you Thank you, Emma. Lovely to talk to you. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks very much, Emma.
Thank you so much for listening to Another Mother. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and we would absolutely love your help in spreading the word about this podcast. So please do share it with your friends, share it with other parents, other mums that you may know, mums-to-be, parents-to-be, just anybody that you think might enjoy it. Thank you.